You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and on today's show, Lucky enough to be joined by one of the original members of the show, John Kegley is going to join us to talk about these joint practices and also the preseason game coming up against the 49ers. Before we get into that, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, where we got our start doing the Chargers Domination live show for five seasons. I write for the LA Football Network, and this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Before we get started, if you guys need an all-NFL show to get the national perspective of what's going on with every team around the league, the Peacock and Williamson show is where you go. They do that Monday through Friday, and that's how it helps me kind of keep up with what all the rest of the teams in the NFL are doing. And you can get that wherever you get your podcast from, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast from, and that's the fastest and easiest way to get the show if you guys go subscribe wherever you listen to it. But... On today's show, we have joint practices to talk about because the Chargers and 49ers are both practicing in Costa Mesa at the Chargers training facility, and we have a lot to get into today. We had a lot we were looking forward to yesterday, and we got to see some of it play out. We got to see a couple of Chargers showing up in walking boots, which is something that you absolutely never want to see, and then we also just had different storylines, things getting a little bit heated at one point. The kickers were out there, and it did not go good. For the favorite, Tristan Viscaino. A lot to get into there, but to wrap up the show today in segment three, we're going to be getting into the players we're watching for going into the second preseason game against the 49ers. A couple of standout performers in the first game. Who is it going to be that we're going to be talking about on Monday after the Chargers and 49ers square off on Sunday? But let's go ahead and get into it. The Chargers and 49ers joined for a joint practice on Thursday, the first of two days where they're going to be practicing together and then They will play against each other on Sunday, but we all talked about last night what it meant to have these going up against a different team, getting to see someone in a different color jersey and kind of the energy that would bring. But what we didn't know we were going to see when the Chargers went out there was the injuries that we ended up seeing on Thursday. Rashawn Slater and Brian Bulaga were both held down for things that weren't considered severe. Brandon Staley said Rashawn Slater wanted to play, but they kept him out for precautionary reasons and For Brian Bulaga, he's dealing with a hip flexor, but if it was a game-time decision, he would have played in the game. This was the surprising part. Two players, Chris Rumpf and also Joe Reed, got off the bus today in a walking boot. So luckily, David, we were able to get kind of some clarification on what was going on with it, and Brandon Staley didn't seem really concerned about either one. With Chris Rumpf, he said he had something that was bothering him on his heel, that that's why he was in a walking boot. And then with Joe Reed, it was a little less specific. We don't really know exactly what's going on, but he said, we're going to try to get him back for the game this weekend, but we might have to push him back to next week. And I think, obviously, Chris Rumpf is going to make the team, right? There's no question about that. But for Joe Reed, I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier on in the week. Like, this is a terrible time for him to be missing time on the field. And although Brandon Staley didn't seem worried about it, this is a very, very competitive wide receiver room right now with Tyron Johnson. Jalen Guyton, K.J. Hill, Austin Prowell, all guys who are fighting for the last ends of that roster spot, right? The other three guys are locked up. There's only a few spots available, so that 
was pretty tough to see Joe Reed looking like he might not have a chance until the last preseason game to kind of show that he deserves to be on the roster. Yeah, it's detrimental for both guys for different reasons. For Joe Reed, this is his opportunity to to make the roster. He needs to be on the field as much as possible. And with him being out with an injury, it's not going to help his chances at all. And for Chris Rumpf, he's a rookie, so he also needs all the time on the field that he can get so he can develop and he can get better. We all know that he has the skills and we also know that he needs to get a little, a little bit thicker, a little bit bigger, needs to get in the weight room, and you can't really do that if you're hurt. So both these guys, a terrible time to miss time, and it's not going to help either one. It's not, but, I mean, Joe Reed especially, just because, like I said, one of those guys is a lock to make the roster. I don't know if any of the three of us right now would say that Joe Reed is a lock to make this roster. I mean, a couple other guys, Emeka Igbule, Justin Jackson, Mike Williams, Nazir Adderley, who had migraines, all of those guys ended up missing practice. But there were plenty of players that were on the field to talk about. And let's start with the big man himself and Justin Herbert, who got off to a hot start according to some 49ers athletic beat writers. He started 7 of 8 with one pass drop, so pretty much 8 for 8 when they went 11 on 11. Did falter a little bit, you know, when they got to the red zone in the two-minute drill. He ended up hitting Austin Eckler inbound, something we've talked about as a little bit of an issue, and they had to try a 56-yard field goal. But the 49ers reporters seem kind of blown away by Justin Herbert. A lot of 49ers fans out there, too, that were seeing him really for the first time. A lot of people very impressed. But, John, this is such a valuable time for Justin Herbert, especially in these joint practices, because he's been learning this offense going up against the Chargers defense, which brings its own unique differences and difficulties right all the different personnel all the disguises and things but this was our first chance to see Justin Herbert going up against a different kind of defense that he doesn't get to see every day and it seems like he did pretty well and even the plays that he didn't do well this is a great opportunity to learn against another team since he's not playing in the preseason well and Ken Allen even said that himself he said this is where you make the mistakes because the game it doesn't matter right now you're not going to get consequences for it right but the fact that the 49ers, there was a 49ers uh, coverage article that basically took the time to write about how good Justin Herbert was, and they have Trey Lance right now in, right. in their training camp. You, they took the time to talk about Justin Herbert. If that doesn't tell you how much he's turning heads right now for opposing teams, I don't know what does. He's improving every single day, every single week. Despite a new offensive game plan, he is still improving. And like you said, he's been going up against his own guys this whole time, which I think creates a great challenge because they know the plays, they see it every day, so eventually you just got to learn how to beat someone that knows what you're doing. But going against somebody else whose talents you don't know right off the bat like you do your own guys and to see how well he's performing, this guy's growing really well, and the intensity at this practice was really high too, so he's playing against guys that actually were trying hard as well. Oh, yeah. I mean – it was intense, and we knew there was going to be some scuffles. And John, yesterday we talked about the timeless Keenan Allen planting a Rams defensive back into the ground. We didn't see anything like that today, but David, we knew, in, you know, the emotions. Oh, <laughs> yeah, of course, that was great times with Keenan Allen, and and not just perfect form tackle where he just absolutely put that man into the dirt. But today it didn't get to that level. But there were some notes coming out. This was from Matt Barrows, who said. Things got a little chippy in one-on-one pass-blocking drills after Chargers linebackers Kazir White and Kenneth Murray pancaked Josh Hokett 
and Charlie Warner on back-to-back snaps, then started barking up 49ers players, including Kyle Shanahan, which <laughs> I love to see that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not upset about the linebackers being overly physical, but I guess there was a moment where Kyle Shanahan went up to Kazir White reportedly and said, hey, save some of that energy. We're not going full out or whatever. And then the next play, Kazir White tackled the dude to the ground, which you're not supposed to do. But I'd rather him tackle a 49er to the ground as opposed to a Charger. So I'm going to give him a pass on that one. But I love to see that, David. I know that you don't want players fighting and getting hurt and stuff, but you need some kind of chippiness coming out of this practice. I mean, you could tell these guys were getting up for these joint practices. They were ready to hit somebody else. They were tired of having to pull up and stop and not be able to finish and go through. I mean, that's what training camp is. You got to learn how to practice together because you don't want to injure each other. When you're going up against another team, that goes out the window. They could care less if they injure those guys. I mean, sure, I'm sure they don't want to intentionally, but if it happens, you know, it happens. They're not going to feel as badly. So it's kind of funny for Kaiser White and Kenneth Murray to go out there and really pop some guys. I mean, that's just some pent-up frustration. That's what that is. Also, T-Billy getting into it with the uh, 49ers DB, I thought that was pretty funny as well, although Brendan Staley came out there quickly and put an, uh, and put an end to that. But I just love it. That's the energy that you like. That's what happens at these joint practices. They're ready to go hit somebody else that's not wearing the same jersey that they are. And well, and there's been a lot of those around the league. I believe yesterday alone we had T-Billy and D.W. Webb going yeah. up at each other a little bit, but then uh, Antonio Brown got into an actual fist fight. <laughs> the Rams and Raiders practice got completely shut down, and the Raiders got sent on the bus for an absolute brawl. <laughs> it just seems like a natural yearly tradition that joint practices end in fight. Yeah, I guess that we should just be happy that the Chargers actually got to finish their practice right. Now, there was a still shot of Antonio Brown punching that dude in the face. And it was like a perfect picture. Like you just saw the point of contact. Definitely, didn't see anything definitely like clocked that. him. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it hurt for sure. But yeah, I think that Buccaneers one had like five fights break out during it. Seemed like it was a little bit more chill. But you want to see that kind of energy coming out of it. You want to see that passion coming from the Chargers players. And I think, like I talked about yesterday, like when something goes down and like a fight might break out and you don't know, because there's always that moment before when you're like this could be a fight or it could be two guys who want to get held back while they yell at each other from five feet away right every fight kind of has that vibe around it before it actually happens there was some of that but you find out who your dudes are by who comes and gets your back during those situations if you have teammates that are walking away from the scrum not having their teammates back that shows itself as well but i do think it is a team bonding thing even sometimes when you're fighting the other team but we do have two more segments to get into. We haven't even talked about the matchups that we got to see from the joint practice, like Joey Bosa versus Mike McGlinchey, but also Derwin James versus George Kittle, Keenan Allen versus Jason Barrett, and much more, and we're going to get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about my favorite protein bar in the world, and you know that I'm talking about Built Bars. One of the things I love about Built Bars is the variety. I mean, obviously, they taste great, and if they didn't, I wouldn't eat them. And they're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. But even then, if it was only three flavors, I'd probably end up getting tired of one eventually or all of them. Instead, you have a ton of flavors to choose from, from Built Bar. I mean, you can go cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, German chocolate, salted caramel, mint brownie, 
So many great flavors to choose from, so you're never going to get tired of having to have the same thing every day. You can switch it up with Built Bar. And another thing is, is it's going to fit with your diet as well. Most of the bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180 calories, only about 4 to 5 grams of sugar and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. You guys can do yourself a favor. When the day is getting long, you need something to get you through the day. Built Bar is where it's at, and you can feel like you're having a cheap meal without any of the guilt that comes along with it. And it's the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. And plus, they just paid for like 35 BYU college football players for their tuition, which is pretty damn awesome as well. But we can even save you guys some money if you want to try a Built Bar. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15, all caps, one word, for 15% off at Built.com. All right, well, we talked about a few of the little storylines that came out from the joint practice today, but one of the ones we didn't talk about that I was kind of putting off was the kicker battle as well. And we'll get into Derwin James versus George Kittle and Keenan Allen versus Jason Brett. But there was a pretty seismic movement, I would say, in the kicking battle today, John. I know that you've been following along with this, but up until this point, Tristan Viscaino had easily been the most impressive kicker. He got the both of the place kicking attempts in the last game against the Rams, and he ended up making both of them, even though the longest was 38 yards. He was doing well, and Michael Badgley was not doing well. But that ended up changing a little bit on Thursday, which makes it seem like it's a little bit more of a competition now because it ended up going like this. From Gilbert Manzano, Tristan Viscaino goes 3-for-6 and missed from 33, 50, and 52. And Badgley went 5-of-6 and missed from 50. So I don't think that's also including the 56-yarder that Viscaino ended up missing in the two-minute drill. So let's make that 3-for-7. John, it seemed like we were finally starting to get some separation between these two kickers. And then a practice like this goes by, and now it just muddies the waters once again. I don't think it actually muddies the waters. I mean, we've been hearing a lot of good stuff. And then... We have one bad day. I mean, can you really say it levels the ground? That's like saying the Patriots are seven and zero and they lost one game. Now they're even with the rest of the league. Like it doesn't. I don't think it really makes much of a difference in the battle, but I think it does definitely make you want to pay attention again because it went from okay, this is obviously a of one battle, and now it's like okay, maybe not. Okay, let's, we have to pay attention to this a little bit more. That's the muddied water. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I I feel like it's just that one day. I feel like it's that one day. I don't, I'm not really too worried about it. I mean, Michael Badgley has shown throughout the regular season the same struggles he's had during a practice. So I, I'm a lot more worried about Michael Badgley than I am anything. Yeah, for sure. I think the whole thing about this is just that if Tristan Viscaino was pretty solid for the rest of camp, he wins the job, right? And then if he has more days like he had today or, you know, on Thursday as we're recording this, then it makes it a lot more interesting. We know he has the box checked as far as kickoffs and leg strength and all of those things. But at the same time, you still have to make your kicks, right? And hopefully you get some separation. And that's the thing is now there's just a little bit less separation between these two dudes. If you're going just based on overall kicking percentage and what they've done during the offseason so far. But let's get into the fun stuff because we did get to see some fun matchups starting with Joey Bosa, who got in trouble because on 11-on-11, he ended up stripping Jimmy Garoppolo, and he already did that once once to Justin Herbert and got chewed out. 
Now he did it to Jimmy G, who said it sounded just like Nick Bosa saying that, so he couldn't really stay mad at him about it. But he also looked really good in the one-on-ones going up against Mike McGlinchey. Not the same as going up against Trent Williams, but still, you want to see him doing well in those situations, and he did. And I think the most encouraging thing is I'm okay with him getting in trouble at practice for that because what it tells me is this year he's focused way more on stripping the quarterback once he gets there. We all know he can get to the quarterback, but he doesn't have a ton of forced fumbles in his career. That's something he's focusing on this year, and so far he's been taking it out on Jimmy G and Justin Herbert. But some other matchups we got to see, David. Let's start with this one, a fun one, a Charger versus a former Charger, Keenan Allen going up against Jason Barrett. We said we were looking forward to it last night when we were talking about it. We get to finally see it today. Keenan Allen won all of his one-on-one reps against all of the 49er DBs, but against Jason Barrett, he ended up making a big play and ended up winning that one-on-one matchup. And you know these guys are friends, so you know that Keenan Allen was going into this trying to make a statement against his old workout buddy, Jason Verrett, and he did that. They put a good video out of him beating him on an outside route, and that's just what, that's what Keenan Allen does. That's why Keenan Allen is one of the best wide receivers in the league, and you know he's been beaten up on the Chargers DBs all throughout training camp, and now he gets to beat up on the 49ers DBs, and you know he is loving every second of that. Oh, absolutely. He's definitely loving it. And to Jason Brett's credit, I mean, it wasn't like he had terrible coverage on the play. Keenan Allen is just ridiculous. But the Chargers didn't win all their one-on-one matchups. And Derwin James, who called out George Kittle before practice and said, hey, we got to go one-on-one when it happens because that's what the fans want. We got to get the people what they want. And his was a little bit tougher, John. It was tougher to swallow because on his, he went one-on-one with George Kittle George Kittle breaks outside. It looked like there was maybe a little bit of a slip by Derwin, but George Kittle ends up making the catch. He ends up winning the one-on-one rep. But Derwin James had outstretched hands and just barely missed the interception. I think if we get to see more of those one-on-one matchups, they're probably going to go a lot like that. Well, I mean, the coverage wasn't that bad at all. He did pretty Great well. Coverage. It, it was just one of those, the ball just barely slips by kind of thing, which is also one of those... Uh, all or nothing kind of reps, you know, it's mm-hmm. either you knock that ball down or he's going to catch it and keep running because he has space behind you kind of thing. <laughs> right. Derwin didn't have that arm behind him where you put the arm around his back and you put the other arm out front and knock the ball away. He just went all out for that interception and it was gone. But he, the coverage was not bad at all. That ball barely slipped by Derwin James's hand. There was a, maybe a little bit of a slip, like you said, but he was he rebounded really well. Yeah, I don't think it was a complete loss. I think there's, he just won because George Kittle caught the ball, but it wasn't like Jason Verrett, who was just completely way out, far away from Keenan Allen after he makes that cut. And Keenan Allen, yeah, I remember watching him when he did the joint practice against the Cardinals, and he was going against Patrick Peterson, and he was loving every inch of it. I feel like I'm watching Drummond James do that same thing with George Kittle. This one's that best veteran you can give me. Let me go up against him. I want him, and I see that in Derwin James, and that's a competitive spirit, especially not being on the field a lot the past few years. Well, he showed his yeah. recovery ability. I think that's one yeah. thing that we saw uh, a couple of years ago when he was on the field, him you know, kind of getting beat and then going back and batting that pass down against Tyreek Hill. I mean, his recovery speed is ridiculous. I think he showed that he still possesses that against George Kittle. Yeah, I think it was Demarcus Robinson, but I know the exact uh, way you're talking yeah. about. No, it's all right. Yeah, back of the end zone outstretched hand, gets a hand on it. Yeah, he definitely has the recovery speed. But like I was saying, like... Are we talking about the Chiefs game from yeah. week one? 
That was Sammy Watkins. I don't think so. You're talking about his rookie year, right? 2018? Yeah. Yeah, that was Sammy Watkins. You look that up and get back to me on that. I don't think it was Sammy Watkins. Eh. You've been through a lot since then. I'm going to go with my pick. We all have our pick. It could have been either one. But, you know, John's in Oklahoma, so we don't really trust people from the Midwest like that. Except for you, Blake's dad, and everyone else and listeners from the Midwest, that's fine. But people stationed in Oklahoma, not so much. But either way, somebody else who, you know, has done that, tapped on a shoulder and asked to get in going up against one of the best, was Asante Samuel Jr. going up against Keenan Allen. And depending on what report you read, Asante Samuel Jr. had at least one, maybe two interceptions at the joint practice. But the good news is he was out there playing well, doing what he does. He definitely intercepted Jimmy Garoppolo in the red zone on a nice pass breakup where he just absolutely broke on the football, got the interception. was great to see Asante Samuel Jr. continuing to play well, continuing to be gritty, and continuing to make plays on the football. We've seen that a lot. Today it finally turned into an interception, so that was really promising to see as well. The receivers deserve a shout-out to supposedly they were winning most of the one-on-one matchups against the DBs from the 49ers, so... Seemed like a pretty good showing. I just remembered it wasn't, it wasn't Watkins, it was D'Anthony Thomas. There we go. It was not he D'Anthony is, Thomas. D'Anthony he is Thomas correct, actually. No, he is correct. I just watched D'Anthony the video. D'Anthony Thomas? Yeah, I just watched the video. It's D'Anthony Thomas. He was still around? Yeah, I watched it on YouTube. We were all wrong. Uh, D'Anthony Thomas, he was YouTube, so baby. Yeah, YouTube, baby, you were wrong, too. No one gets to be excited about that. <laughs> Anyways, we have one more segment to get into because... Not only are these two teams practicing against each other, but there's a game on Sunday, and we get to see the second preseason game for the Chargers. And I definitely have my eye on a couple of players I'm really excited to watch. We're going to get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that it's that time of the year again, and all eyes now are turning to football as teams get back on the gridiron to start the football season. And right now is the best time to be betting at betonline.ag. BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all of the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at Bet Online. All you have to do is head to the website or use the mobile device, and you can sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. If it's a promo code, the promo code is locked on, all caps, one word. So be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys, and if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. That's a free bet right there, guys. Make sure you don't miss out on that. But once again, you can get a 100% deposit bonus at betonline.ag with the promo code locked on. all caps, one word, at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, well, now it's time to get into our preseason game two preview coming up against the 49ers on Sunday a lot to look forward to, and last week we got a little taste. We saw some rookies showing up, like Larry Roundtree, who looked really good. Asante Samuel Jr. had a big hit. Josh Palmer led the team in receptions with six. Rookies showed up all across the board. I mean, that's not even talking about Rashawn Slater. Basically winning every one of his reps that he had out on the field. But, John, you got to watch game one. Now it's preseason game two, so as we head into this one against the 49ers, knowing that a lot of the starters aren't going to play him, none of the ones that missed last week, should be playing this week. Who are you looking forward to watching? Well, I think the number one guy for me is going to be Larry Roundtree. I want to see him break off more of those runs. He did a lot of that in college, but he was also very 
impatient and called it letting the hole develop, but he didn't look too impatient in that preseason game. So I want to see more of that. If he can stay patient, let holes develop, he might make this team and become the new uh, the new second string running back on this team. Oof. Second string running back. I mean, seems like that spot's pretty open right now. Josh Kelly doesn't seem to have done anything to really solidify himself in that position. And right now, Justin Jackson is injured and can't really prove what he's worth. But yeah, I think Larry Rantree 100% is going to make the roster. But Joe Lombardi talked about him. We talked about it yesterday. Just like with a guy like him, you have to actually see him in a game where he has to get tackled to the ground. Because if not, they're blowing the whistle in practice and you don't know how many tackles he would have broken, right? So that's one of those things where for him, especially the game is a great place to showcase his physical running. And yeah, like I thought, he doesn't have great top end speed, but I could really see him breaking off a lot of those 20 to 25 yard gains, which are pivotal to an offense. Like that's how you have a good running game. And those are considered explosive plays. Exactly. Getting chunk plays, chunk yardage in the running game is great. I mean, Anthony Lynn wanted to get it every time he called the draw play with two minutes left in any sort of half. So, (laughs) you know, if we, if we break one, we're in business, but nine times out of 10, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep the clock running, but that's not for here nor there. David, who are you looking at going into this game that you're most excited to watch? We got to see a lot of the rookies in the first preseason game, but one rookie we didn't get to see that I was really hoping to watch was Mark Mm -hmm. Webb, the safety. Mm -hmm. That is one guy I am very excited to see. Great call. It's just a guy who's really interesting. He has good size. He has good physicality. He seems like he's getting his hand on the ball in practice and training camp a lot. And I want to see how that translate on translates onto the field. I know he was a little bit of a rough project. He still had some things that he needed to clean up, probably get a little bit better in coverage. But I think he has a lot of potential, and I want to see what he looks like out there against the 49ers on Sunday. I mean, if you only watched training camp this year, you'd think he was one of the best coverage players on the Chargers because he's been making plays in coverage left and right. One of the top leading interception getters this so far during the training camp in the preseason. So you have to love that. I'm really, really excited to see him get to play in a game type setting. Same thing with Tyron Johnson. He didn't get to play in the first preseason game. He should be out there, I would believe this week i mean he was at practice i don't see any reason i mean unless they just think he's a no doubt about it starter jalen guyton played last week i expect to see tyron johnson i'm excited to see him out there to kind of keep showing what he can do and show why he deserves a role on this offense but john i know there's one guy on the defensive side of things that i'm very excited to watch for on sunday and i know you were talking about him a little bit before the show yeah forrest merrill is a guy that was really surprisingly doing well in that preseason game, especially when he broke up through the line and got that four-yard loss on the goal line. I want to see more of him. I want to see more. I got to see what this guy's about. Is he going to be our new depth piece, or is he a future starter? I mean, I don't want to go too far with that, but is he our new future depth piece on this team? I got to see. I know you were really enjoying him as well. You said you mm-hmm. had him at the top of your list today, Daniel Wade. He is at the top of my list because, first of all, I just love a dude who's like 5'11 playing defensive tackle because he's legitimately just a little bowling ball. He's like 5'11, 330 pounds or something like that. And you're already the low man. You're already the low man. I mean, Aaron Donald doesn't seem to lose very much being that short. The thing about it, though, was just his ability, though. I mean, just he was constantly in the backfield, even when he wasn't making tackles. When he was pass rushing, he was stringing together moves. He never quit. 
he always kept going and kept trying to get past and ended up at least changing a few other plays that he didn't end up recording a stat. Forrest Mayer was out there, like I said this week, playing like it was his last chance to deserve a roster spot on this team. I can't get enough of that. Like, you show me a guy out there that's just literally putting everything on the line. That's a guy I'm going to want to keep around, especially in a position group that is questionable, I would say, with the depth. And also, there's a couple of spots at the bottom of that that I think could go either way. So when this guy's out there showing not just run-stuffing ability by using a ridiculous swim move and getting a tackle for loss near the goal line and totally derailing a drive that ended up in zero points because of a John Brain interception, but a guy that's just out there continuing to try hard to get to the football, chasing down plays, and just really playing as hard as he could. I loved seeing that from Forrest Merrill. Can't wait to see what we get from him in preseason game two, and he'll probably get cut right after that just because I like him. So that's always good. But, David, who else do you want to touch on that you're watching going into this game? Yeah, I mean, all the other rookies played pretty well, and they made some kind of impact on the first preseason game. But Trey McKitty was another rookie that didn't really do much. So I want to see if he can get involved in the passing game a little bit, catch a couple of balls, and maybe kind of start that part of his progression I'd like to see that but on the defensive line really quickly I'd like to see if Jerry Tillery and Justin Jones are going to play I mean I know that we are getting excited watching Forrest Merrill and some of those other guys like Christian Covington do their thing in the middle of the defensive line but we still need to see Jerry Tillery and Justin Jones in this new defense and and what they're going to do because for the Chargers to get where they want to go this year they need a lot more interior pressure and these are two guys that are tabbed who is supposedly going to help the Chargers do that this year. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know if we'll see him. We didn't see him in game one, right? So I don't know what the thought process is there. The way it made it seem is that those guys were kind of too good to be in the preseason game. I mean, that's the only reason I can think of of having them not be out there, right? So that'll be interesting to see if we get those guys out there. John, I know there was a couple guys that you still had on the list though, that you're looking forward to in week two as well. Yeah, there's guys like Nick Nieman, who's was all over the field and led the team in tackles in that preseason game. I want to see more of him. He was one of my favorite guys that we drafted. And then Asante Samuel Jr., after seeing interceptions in the practice and stuff, I just want to see more of that. I I loved his – he had some decent coverage in the preseason game, but the practice videos I've been watching of him, I got to see more of him in an actual game situation against the 49ers. I want to see a lot more of that. I mean, when the first thing he does is come out like a torpedo and just absolutely spear Tutu Atwell on the sideline, I mean, he doesn't get to do that at practice, right? You're not allowed to go in and lay somebody out like that. So I definitely am looking forward to Asante Samuel Jr. I doubt we'll see Rashawn Slater. I mean, I think he showed plenty. We better not see Kazir White and Drew Tranquil. I mean, there's just absolutely no reason for those dudes to be on the field. And they showed that last week. I mean, they are too good to be out on that field. They seem like they're ready to go for the regular season, but this will be another great test because there's going to be another round of cuts, another five guys that are going to have to be cut next week. So in a lot of ways, this is some players, a last audition to show why they should be on the team. So I think that this is such an important game for so many players. I'm just as excited to see the guys on the, you know, the back end of the roster, the John Brannons, the Keeman Halls, all of those guys who were just fighting and scratching and clawing for a roster spot, those guys are going to have to continue to go out there making big plays, and those guys had a forced fumble and an interception last week combined. So I think we'll see more big plays 
from players that we maybe don't get to talk about enough. And that's another part. Let's hope the special teams unit looks better this week, too. Hopefully they diagnosed what errors and mistakes they were making. And let's see if they can go out there and clean that up and show a better operation on Sunday. And also, let's see which which kicker is going to get the bulk of the opportunities and what they're going to do with it. I'm over the kickers. Big returns on those kickoffs and punts. That was horrible. Well, the kickoffs were fine. The punts were terrible. I mean, because even the ones that ended up getting called back because of flags, they were still long runs, right? Not all of that comes because one dude is holding. So that has to be all better by Sunday when the Chargers square off because that was not good. And you hate to see that, especially with the punt return unit. The kickoff unit had three tackles inside the 20, I believe, last week. So can you continue that? while also making strides in the rest of the special teams units, or phases, I should say. But uh, kickers, do we have to watch kickers? I'm over kickers. Tristan Viscaino is supposed to run away with it. Now he's deciding to miss a lot of kicks. So over this kicking competition. But that is going to do it for the sh- for today's show, guys, and for the week. A special thank you to John, just moving everything around to come and join us on the show. We always love having him on and love getting his perspective. And I just love that man, you know, out here trying to serve our country. So, John, thank you for coming on. I love you. I appreciate you. Horns down. Alabama is going to smoke Texas by about 60. But that is going to do it for today's show. We'll be back with you guys next week. But until then, to make sure you don't miss a show, follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the new Odyssey app. You can find the Locked on Chargers podcast there. And if the platform lets you, make sure to rate and review if you like the show. You can also find the show on all of our social media. You can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports. You can find David on Twitter at DrotalkSD. And you can find the John Kegley himself at Biggest Chargers Fan. And not quite spelled that way, but he'll pop up if you search it on Twitter. We post all of the shows to pretty much all of our pages. And on the show's page at LockedOnLAC as well, where we always interact with you guys. And I'll have some more videos coming out from the game this weekend. But you can also find us on Instagram at LockedOnChargers and on our Locked On Chargers Facebook page, too. If you want to get your voice on the show, you can call into the Locked On Chargers voicemail line. The number there is 323-524-7924. We're trying to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But make sure to follow us on Twitter to get our reactions to everything that happens tomorrow at joint practice. And make sure to be back with us Monday to break down this second preseason game against the 49ers. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.